Mike mentioned it in his weekly bulletin that we are starting a new sermon series in the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges, um, it's not the happiest book in the Bible. Um, it's the book in the Bible which literally shines a spotlight on our human condition. I don't know if that scares anyone. That scared me. But um, that's what it does. That's what the book of Judges does. So most of us know that the book of Judges um, covers the notorious and darkest period of time for God's people. And it is a book, I've gone through the book several times over the last few weeks just to check this. It's a book full of blood and gore. We see chaos, cruelty, violence, rape, murder, the disrespect of women, civil war, disobedience to God's will and disobedience to God's ways. The book of Judges deals with the harsh realities of life. And for me personally, it mirrors a lot of our existence today. You don't need to look that far. You can just open your phone, buy a newspaper, turn on the television, and you will see injustice, lawlessness, abuse, and depravity of all kinds. But we can learn lots from the scriptures, as all of us know. And I feel that the book of Judges reveals uh, to us the dangers, actually, as Christian people living within a mainstream culture and a, a sort of abiding by mainstream cultural norms, if you like, rather than advancing a kingdom culture. So that's the context, I'm afraid. Um, but you know, God is good, so we will journey through this together. So before I open up the Bible, can we just pray together, please? That would be great. Father, we recognise our need for you more than ever. And we thank you that you have given us your word. And Lord, we acknowledge that all scripture, all of it, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Righteousness and holiness is what we long for. And as we open up the Bible this morning, we do ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to understand, reflect and apply all that we read. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we go to the book of Judges, I want us to look at the words of a man who is about to die. Now, I don't know how many of us may have been at the bedside of somebody that was about to die, um, maybe a close friend or a relative, but it can be extremely painful if you're there in that moment, just as the person, say, leaves this realm and moves on, just at that point of death. It can be painful, and some people have said to me that they're glad the suffering for that person is over, but other people have said it was just absolutely terrible and I didn't want to let them go. So it kind of has a range of emotions. Now, I just want us to think for a minute, if we were about to die, and we knew we were about to die, I wonder what, if anything, we would like to say to our loved ones. 
If you could turn with me to page 239 in the Church Bible, we're going to read the words of someone who was about to die. We're going to look at Joshua, chapter 23, and we are going to be reading from verses 6 to 8 and 14 to 16. These are Joshua's words to his friends. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. And then continuing at verse 14. Now, I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you. You will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I thought, hmm, Joshua's words, they're pretty clear, really. Uh, his instructions to the Israelites was straightforward. Do this, don't do that. But his words were not heeded. Now, my intention this morning is just to look at a few verses in Judges chapter 2, because in Judges chapter 2, it serves as like an introduction and a summary of the entire book of Judges. And chapter two captures the cycle, if you like, of the Israelite spiritual experience, which is that it goes on to be repeated through every single chapter until you get to the end of Judges. So we're only gonna read a few of the verses today, but we'll be reading, it's page 243, if you've got a church Bible, from Judges chapter two, and I'm reading from verses 10 to 23. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no, long, no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them, and they were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. 
they quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies, as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshipping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed these nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm just going to summarise the story for us, really, so that um, we can get the context. So Joshua was a man who wholeheartedly followed after God. He's now dead. Remaining was a generation that had not yet personally experienced the work or the power of Almighty God. Now, those of us that are familiar with our Bible will know, earlier in the Bible... Moses gave the law to the people of Israel. He stressed, didn't he? He stressed in the Bible the importance of the commands, the decrees, and the laws, and how important it was to give that information to our children. This is what Moses said. He said that we are to talk about these things when we sit at home, when we go out for a walk together, when we lie down, when we get up. He also said that we need to tie all these laws and everything as symbols on our hands, put them on our foreheads, write them on our door frames, write them on the gates of our houses. Now Moses wasn't stating in the scriptures that we're to lecture our children and young people, but simply to impress the truths upon them in our day-to-day lives. And when I was reading it, I was thinking, it's as if Moses was trying to cover all the bases. He didn't want to leave anything to chance. And Moses declared in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47, these words. That the word of God is no empty word for us, but it is our very life. And then Jesus agrees with that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when he said to the devil, you'll remember the devil was trying to tempt Jesus, and Jesus says to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the scriptures are life and food. And together, these are the ideal for all God's people. Now, Joshua, he was a great leader, but he wasn't perfect. 
but he did follow the Lord's instructions because God told Joshua this. Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And if you do, then you will be prosperous and successful. So what went wrong with the children of Israel? Let's look again at our reading in Judges chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. So we see here that their godly relatives had died. And then a new generation has grown up that did not know the Lord or what the Lord had done for Israel. Now, when I read that, I find that so weird. I just can't, I can't compute this. I really can't. Almighty God had given Moses so many instructions. He'd given him the Ten Commandments, numerous laws, feasts and festivals. God literally delivered his people from slavery. And God was with them, wasn't he, on their journey to freedom, in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Those of us that know the story, God parted the Red Sea so that his people could walk straight through it. He provided them with food and water in a desert. In actual fact, he provided them for 40 years in a desert. Their clothes didn't wear out, their sandals didn't wear out. He gave them everything. And it begs the question for me, why didn't they tell, share this good news with this new generation? And moreover, are we sharing the good news with this up-and-coming generation? As the scripture said, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this statement is repeated seven times in the book of Judges. And for me, it reiterates the state of affairs that the people found themselves in. And this word, evil, is not just some sort of spiritual category. As we journey through the entire book of Judges, we see the result of this evil. There is a breakdown in all social structures, in the nation, the clan, the families, and the tribes. And the people, as we travel through Judges, we see they move further and further and further away from Almighty God. And there is this downward spiral of degeneration. The result of all of their behavior, instead of becoming this distinctive body of believers, um, that basically the Lord wanted to showcase himself through his people to the surrounding people, but that's not what happened um, to the children of Israel. Instead, they chose to break covenant with God and decided to be shaped instead by the prevailing culture around them. 
This new generation, instead of passing the Lord's test by refusing to worship false gods of the pagan nation, they degraded themselves with the sin of idolatry. They worshipped demonically inspired graven images of the people that they should have ruled and conquered. The Israelites displeased the Lord because of their disobedience. And this resulted in what most commentators agree is the appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus, the angel of the Lord. And he says in Judges chapter two, verses one and two, and I'm reading this from the English Standard Version. Jesus turns up and says this. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? And you can just feel, well, I can just feel the pain in Jesus's voice. What is this you have done? Church family, I just pray that we always remember that boundaries are not there for our punishment, but they are there for our protection and for our flourishing. As we journey together through this sermon series over the coming weeks, we will see that evil punctuates the pages until it morphs into this statement, which are the closing words of the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it is that that caused the people's downfall time and time again. I want us to just fast forward to the 11th of June, 2023. And here we are. We live in a society with numerous gods and not only of the religious kind. I would go as far as to say that we exist in a culture and a context where there are gods of wealth, celebrity, pleasure, ideology, achievement, success, just to name a few. And I believe that we commit idolatry when we allow anything other than God to capture our heart and control our behavior. Like the Israelites, believers in Jesus Christ are faced with the daily choice between Jesus as Lord of our lives or following the spirit and preferences of this age. The Israelites failed in that task. They learned to live with the idols in their midst. And it was here that their half-hearted discipleship was birthed. The Israelites neither wholly rejected God or wholly accepted God. And they became afflicted by one of the worst things that we can come, become afflicted by, and that's compromise. The process of idolatry is very subtle and it can start with complacency, just this overall sense and belief in our own achievement and our own abilities. We may have no need for the living God. 
And if we think about how the world is today, it is an individualistic culture. No need for the living God. That's for you guys in there. But when our faith becomes complacent, when God is not worth talking about, instead we talk about the things that excite us, we talk about what we treasure. Complacency gives fertile ground to idolatry. And that's what was happening in Israel. The gods of the Canaanites became more attractive and more worthy of the Israelites' time and energy and conversation than Almighty God. The new generation was complacent in their faith and their obedience. They were half-hearted disciples. And this led to the lie of idolatry actually becoming believable to them. And they allowed the gods of the people around them to take first place in their hearts. In the Bible, God has said that he is the one true God. There is no other God like him. And Jesus made this crystal clear in the Gospels when he said that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes the way of faith with these words that are just so profound, scary. Um, and I'll just say what Jesus said here. In Matthew chapter 7, he said this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the word that leads to life, and only a few find it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then Jesus wants to be more than just our saviour. He wants to be our Lord. And his lordship is to be reflected in every aspect of our lives, in our time, in our money, in our relationships, in the present and in the future. Everything in society is contending for the control of our hearts. And we really have to be purposefully diligent to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength. And our heart cannot be divided on this matter. We truly cannot allow the idols of this age to have equal footing, equal say, or even equal rights to our love. For if we do, it will lead to half-hearted faith, it will lead to half-hearted obedience, which will result in half-hearted discipleship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great love for us. And we thank you that you meet us in the depths of our sinful ways and sometimes in our half-hearted discipleship. Father, I ask that you would forgive us for the times when we have been trapped in idolatry or failing to put you in your rightful place in our hearts and our lives. Would you have mercy on us according to your unfailing love? 
According to your great compassion, would you blot out our transgressions and wash away our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin? For we ask it in Jesus' name, our Lord, our Saviour. Amen. Amen.